Hello and welcome to the Angry Brown Woman podcast, a podcast for everyone narrated by an angry brown woman. I am your host, Husna, for those of you who are new here, and for those of you who are returning after last week's episode, thank you so much for coming back. I just need to touch on how insane this past week has been for me. I never would have imagined that so many people from five different countries, wow, would be listening in to the podcast, so I just want to thank everyone who has listened, who has shared, who has followed the Instagram, followed the Twitter. I really, really appreciate the support, and I'm so grateful and so motivated to bring new content to you all every single week. I know that some of it will be fun, some of it will be serious, and some of it will be educational, but I really hope that you all stick around, and I am hope that I'm able to teach you a thing or two, and I hope that we're just able to talk about the topics that you all want to talk about, which is why it's so important for me to hear from you. And there are many ways you can reach me, and I will make sure to include those social media platforms in the description of this podcast. So I have decided that before hopping into the topic each week, I would start by talking a little bit about the news, what's going on in the world, and just things that are on my radar or that I am interested in. So I am going to start off on something that drives me nuts, and that is Chicago baseball. Um, as many of you know, and if you don't know, Chicago has two baseball teams, the Chicago Cubs, which is the North Side team, and the Chicago White Sox, which is obviously the South Side team. So this postseason was particularly exciting because this is the first time in 12 years that both Chicago teams are in the playoffs together. Or should I say, we're in the playoffs together. Now, I am a diehard Cubs fan, but I'm one of those Cubs fans that wishes the White Sox well as long as they are not playing against us. Now, obviously, the Cubs and White Sox are in two different leagues, so they would not be playing each other unless it was like the World Series. But unfortunately, it didn't even get to that point because both Chicago teams decided that they wanted to get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. And if I sound a little pressed about it, that's because I am. I was definitely rooting for my Cubs. I knew that they didn't have what it took to go all the way, but I was hoping to get into the second or third round. And then with the White Sox, they're not my team, but I was rooting for them. They have such a young core. They have so much fun. And I was like, this team really has the potential to make it far. And they didn't. So for now, the Cubs and White Sox will be watching baseball from their couches in October. But as an avid baseball watcher and someone who just loves baseball and watches the playoffs every October, whether my team is in it or not, I am just hoping for some great baseball. And the team that I'm choosing to back is the San Diego Padres. Love them. Such a fun team. And I really hope that they can pull it off. Now that I'm done pouring my heart out about Chicago baseball, there is a more serious topic that has been consuming the news. And that is that President Donald Trump and his wife Melania have both tested positive for COVID. There have been so many rumors and so many news reports going around about how he's doing, whether or not he had it, how long he had it for. And I'm recording this uh, Sunday evening. And as of right now, the president has been released from the hospital. Just earlier today, the reports were saying that he was on oxygen. So as you know, there are so many media outlets reporting different things, and they only know so much. Obviously, there's some breaking news. There's some insider information that has been leaked, but um, the media only knows 
what they're told. And obviously, Trump and his administration are going to make sure that they are doing the best they can to put across the narrative that they want to put across. And the unfortunate part is that a lot of reports are saying that Donald Trump was very well aware of the fact that he had coronavirus uh, during the debate that he had with Vice President Joe Biden. And a lot of outlets are saying that it is only coming out now because it is getting to a point where Trump and his administration can no longer hide the symptoms and he can no longer ha- uh, hide how terrible he is feeling. So take that as you will. Um, make sure you do your own research. Make sure you find your reliable sources that you follow and stay informed. Obviously, I don't think that anybody who is not living under a rock wouldn't know this information. It is so readily available. I'm sure you've seen it or run into it, but this is the latest that we had that Trump has been released from the hospital. And that is enough about current events and stuff that's on my mind. Now let's get to the podcast. Episode two is going to be talking all about the model minority myth. So let's get to talking. So admittedly, I was not very well versed on what the model minority myth is when I came across it on TikTok months ago. TikTok of all places gave me a history lesson that I didn't even know that I needed. It was a young brown man and he was directly addressing Desi conservatives. So Indian and Pakistani conservatives, he was directly targeting them and asking them why they are voting conservative. And he talked about how by voting conservative, they are giving into the model minority myth, which paints Asians and South Asians as this model minority that everyone should follow and further drives a wedge between Asians and South Asians and African-Americans in the United States. And this TikTok moved me so much that I started doing my own research and I can't add it on here, but I am going to link it in the description of the episode in the episode notes. And I really hope that you all will check it out because the way that he was speaking on these topics, on this topic rather, really got me to understanding what the model minority myth is and realizing that it is a huge issue. Before really dwelling into this topic, I want to specify that the model minority myth paints Asians to be the model minority for all communities of color. So that includes the Latinx community, the African-American community, the Native American community, and so on and so forth. But for the purpose of this podcast and because the disparities between the Asian community and the black community are so strong, we will be focusing on those two groups. One of the biggest factors, if not the biggest factor to consider when it comes to the model minority myth is to think about how African Americans were introduced to the United States versus how Asian Americans were introduced to the United States. African Americans did not have a choice. They were forced into slavery after being captured during African wars or raids, and they were purchased and brought here to America to be sold as part of the Atlantic slave trade. These people were brought as objects. They were not treated as human. They were not brought here for a better life. They did not come here with the opportunity to create a better life for themselves because they didn't want to come here. They were forced here. Over 10.7 million Africans were brought to the Americas by white Europeans, and 450,000 of them were shipped to what we now know as America. 
and that is how we have African Americans in our country. On the other hand, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Filipino immigrants came to this country as unskilled workers and largely settled in Hawaii and California. And other Asian groups like the Vietnamese, Cambodian, and Hmong, they came here as refugees after the Vietnam War. So to some extent, all of the Asian groups that came to this country came by choice. Like I said, they came as workers or they came as refugees. They came here wanting a better life, knowing that they could work towards a better life, and they knew that having access to entering the United States, even as refugees, would give them a better shot at safety and give them a better shot at life. They were definitely running from the turmoil in their country. But again, the result was that we can go to America and we can have a better life. So as you can see, the circumstances between people coming here from Africa and people coming here from Asia were quite different. Not only that, the United States did whatever they could to ensure that the Asians that they were bringing over were the right type of Asian. In the 1952 Immigration and Nationality Act, there was a quota of 100 visas for each Asian country. And from that, preference was given to those who had education or skills so that when they came to this country, they could start contributing right away and they would... Uh, you know, they would shed a better light on the United States. And then the Immigration Act of 1965 banned Asian Americans from immigrating to the United States unless they were doctors, engineers, scientists, or highly educated. So it went from one act that was selective and gave preference to those who were educated to another act that banned them unless they were educated, unless they could come to this country and make a positive impact right off the bat. So what is all of this showing us? You know, what is the takeaway from this? The takeaway is that the United States purposefully allowed a certain type of immigrant from Asia to come to the United States so that they could be made an example out of. So that, you know, America could look at those certain types of Asian immigrants and go, Look, they did it. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they're scientists. They immigrated here. So if they can do it, why can't you do it? And they also, it also comes across as making it seem that Asians are inherently more hardworking and dedicated than black people. But that's not the case when the opportunities being given to both groups are not equal opportunities. This model minority mindset is so detrimental because it not only silences the experience of African Americans in this country, but it also discounts their struggle. And one of the reasons why there is such a disparity and why there is such a struggle is because of the rate of mass incarcerations in the African American community. And I'm going to get a little bit personal here because, like I said last week in my intro, intro podcast, that I created this podcast so that I could speak on the issues in my culture and community as well. I have had multiple black friends, primarily black male friends, who come up to me and ask me, why do your people hate us so much? And it hits me. It hits me every time that there are so many African-American men and so many African-American women who have been so mistreated by my people that they constantly feel like they're being watched or judged or mistreated 
by Asian people, by Indian people. And from my observations in my own community, I can honestly tell you that this is true. There is so much anti-blackness in the Indian community. Indian people are always talking about, oh, black people are troublemakers and black people are this, and they're up to no good. For example, when the George Floyd incident happened where he was murdered by a Minneapolis police officer uh, who knelt on his neck for nine minutes, damn near nine minutes, people were like, oh, he should have just complied. He should have just listened. He should have done this and he should have done that. What more was the man supposed to do than to be on the ground? He was held down by police officers. And this was an argument that I kept having again and again. How are you going to tell a man to comply when he is complying? He is powerless. There is someone literally on top of him, suffocating him. How are you going to tell me that that is not complying? And there is 100% a superiority complex with Indian people over black people. Hell, there is a superiority complex in Indian culture between certain groups. The Gujaratis think they're better than the Hyderabadis and, and the Pakistanis and the Pakistanis think they're better than the Hyderabadis. And there's just so much intercultural politics that to even think about Indian people seeing outsiders in a positive light is kind of impossible to to fathom for the culture. And it is so unfortunate that so many of them do not understand the concept of institutionalized racism. And for those of you who don't know what the definition of institutionalized racism, it is a form of racism that is embedded as normal practice within society or an organization. It can lead to such issues as discrimination in criminal justice, employment, housing, health care, political power, and education, among other issues. I just touched on one of them earlier, and that is the criminal justice system. There is no justice in the criminal justice system for African Americans in this country. They do not get justice as easily as other races do, if ever. As I was doing my research for the podcast, I came across a website called sentencingproject.org. And I would highly recommend that people check this out. I will also include the link to this in the podcast notes. So make sure you check that out. There is a topic, uh, sorry, there is a subheading in the article that says key findings. The first bullet point in that subheading really stands out to me. And it says, African Americans are incarcerated in state prisons at a rate that is 5.1 times the imprisonment of whites. In five states, Iowa, Minnesota, New Jersey, Vermont, and Wisconsin, the disparity is more than 10 to 1. And right under that, on the second bullet points, it says, in 12 states, more than half of the prison population is black. And in Maryland, 72% of the prison population is African American. And these alarmingly high numbers isn't because all black people are bad. It's not because black people don't want a better life and it's not because they don't want to be educated. It is because they are not given the equal opportunities to achieve these things. Black people are literally denied job applications because of the way their names sound. And you know the crazy part about some people who are part of the model minority? Ignorance is bliss to them. They are part of the model minority. They're hardworking, 
higher class, upper middle class citizens. So I worked my butt off to do it. I came to this country. I worked my butt off to do it. So anybody should be able to do it. And that is such a flawed way of thinking of this topic. The first step to finding a resolution and finding a middle ground is for the model minority to acknowledge that they are the model minority and that it is not okay. You guys, I am part of the model minority. I didn't choose to be part of the model minority, but I am part of the model minority. And as someone who is part of that group, it is important for me to not be ignorant. My other Indian people out there, don't be ignorant to the fact that you have had more opportunities than your black counterparts. Don't be ignorant to knowing that because of your race, you have an advantage over other people of color. It is a real thing. And the truth is, the longer we let white America push this model minority myth and compare groups of color to each other as to why this group can't do what that group can do, there will always be a wedge between the communities. Like the wedge that I talked about between the Indian community and the black community. Many Indian people do not see black people in a good or favorable light. They group all of them together. And I've had an argument with an elder and they were like, oh, black people are like this, especially during the riots and the looting. Oh, they're all up to no good. And I remember turning around and I'm saying, but you're one of the main people who hates when everyone says all Muslims are terrorists because we're not, right? I'm not a terrorist. You're not a terrorist. So don't sit here and tell me that all black people are bad. All black people are lazy. No black people want to do anything with their life and help create a world and help create a United States where you don't live in your model minority ignorant bubble and try to give opportunities and create opportunities for these people. There are literally Indian business owners that will not hire a black person. How many gas stations do you go to that is Indian owned and a black person's working at it? Think about it. Nine times out of 10, when you go to a gas station or you go to a Dunkin' Donuts or you go to a subway, Indian people are going to be working there because they trust their own people more than anyone else. And that is not necessarily a bad thing to trust your own people, to trust your own kind. But when it becomes such tunnel vision that you trust your own people and your own kind and don't let any outsiders in, you cheat yourself, but you also cheat them of opportunities. Being born into the model minority is not your fault. Staying in the model minority bubble and perpetuating that stereotype and remaining ignorant is a personal problem. So if you are part of the model minority, ask yourself what you can do to break that cycle. Hire that black person. Talk to that black person. Find out about their struggles. There's so many things you don't know because, yes, people of color, like brown people, we have to deal with we have to deal with racism. We have to deal with certain types of things um, because we are different. A lot of brown people are looped into the, the terrorist 9-11 type of thing. But we have not had to face institutionalized racism in this country. We haven't, and we never will. But if we keep going our whole lives without trying to understand why such a large part of the population has to live this way, how does it become better? You know, we can't sit around and wait for the next generation 
My generation has to do it, but we also have to be willing to challenge the previous generation to do it. So all in all, the model minority myth is a very detrimental mindset because it pushes the stereotype that Asians, Asian Americans, South Asians are hardworking, are better behaved, are more civil human beings, and that black people are not. And anybody with an iota of intelligence can tell you that that is not the truth. I hope that this podcast gave you a little bit of insight on what the model minority myth is. I will probably never say model minority myth after this because I've said it so many times in this episode, but I hope that if you've never heard of it or if you needed more information into it that you were able to get that from this podcast. I would love to hear your questions, your comments, and your concerns. And like I said, I will put all of the contact information on how to get through to me in the episode notes of this podcast. And I just want to encourage all of you to do your own research. You know, I sat in front of my computer for a couple of hours. I looked up the model minority myth. I looked up mass incarceration rates. I looked up so many things and I learned so much. And I'm just a outlet. I'm just an educational outlet. But you can always educate yourself at home and learn about things. And maybe you can educate yourself about something and then suggest that I talk about it and maybe more people can learn about it that way. Before I go, I have to take care of one thing on my Twitter, which is at ABWpodcast. I put up a shirt giveaway. I was giving away two shirts on Twitter. Instagram, stay tuned. Your day is coming too. And I wanted to announce the two winners on the podcast today. So winner number one is Trixie at twilder731. And winner number two is Steph, StixSteph18. So I definitely will be reaching out to Trixie and Steph. And it's crazy because they happen to be two very wonderful, lovely ladies that I've met on the internet uh, over Cubs Twitter. So I will be contacting them. Stay on the lookout for a giveaway on Instagram. And for now, that is everything. And I hope to see you guys right back here next week. Angry Brown Woman, out.